0: My top pick is the Zen Blend. It's a lifesaver for those of us who are caffeine sensitive, and not to mention, comes in the most charming packaging. So why not elevate your coffee experience with London Nootropics? Discover the perfect blend, find your flow, and enjoy an exclusive twenty percent discount with the code SATURN at londonnewtropics.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kagi Dunlop. This is a new podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt. pausing this for a moment because I've got something exciting to share. Today's episode is brought to you by London Nootropics, the masters of crafting adaptogenic coffee blends that don't just taste heavenly, but they also boost your energy the right way. Now we all love that zesty kick from caffeine. It snaps us awake by outsmarting those sleepy adenosine receptors in our brain. But here's the kicker. Caffeine can hike up our cortisol, giving us the jitters or anxiety, particularly if you're like me and caffeine sensitive. But that's where the magic of adaptogen steps in. These natural heroes level out our cortisol, smoothing the energy boost from caffeine without the downsides. Plus, while caffeine tends to rush in and fade away, leaving you crashing, adaptogens extend that energy, keeping you vibrant without reaching for another cup. So if you want to find your most productive self with lion's mane and rhodiola in their flow blend, cordyceps in mojo is known to increase our aerobic capacity, oxygen flow and boost ATP, so it's perfect before a run or workout or when you're feeling fatigued. So if you're intrigued and you want to dive deeper into their blend secrets and discover which adaptogens sync with you, try visiting their website. And because you're part of the Saturn Returns family, enjoy a special 20% off at London Nootropics Adaptogenic Coffee with the code Saturn Returns. Enjoy!
1: There's been such like an energy exchange between both of us. I've seen it in myself, and I th- think I've seen it in you. Just that we're both like really kind of rising into these like roles that mm. that we're both that feel so authentic to both of us. I feel.
0: Mm, that's really true. We've kind of ignited each other.
1: Yeah, a lot.
0: Today, I am joined by founder of renowned interiors brand Francis Loom, Kelly Vittingle. She is also a mental health advocate and host of Joan Podcast and a spiritual seeker. But perhaps most importantly to me, she is one of my bestest friends. And a lot of you have requested an episode around female friendships, so I figured it would be appropriate to bring Kelly on for this final episode of Saturn Returns Season 1. So in this special episode, we discuss the importance of inner child work, the benefits of living abroad and how media has sculpted an unobtainable ideal for women and how we can dismantle that but most importantly we discuss the wonders of triumphant platonic love and female friendship during your saturn return and especially mine friendship was an incredibly big theme so i hope you enjoyed this episode and enjoy our conversation and we're just gonna dive on in so here's kelly you moved to London only a couple of years ago. I moved to London
1: like roughly three years ago but I've lived in so many different places. I've lived in New York City, I'm from New York, I'm from upstate New York, I've lived in New York City, I've lived in Los Angeles, I've you know I've lived in London and all of these places I've moved completely on my own but it's been such an interesting transition to London because I moved for love and then he and I broke up and I you know going through my Saturn return was so intense for me. So I went through this period of time where I just was like being pummeled to basically what felt like I was being forced to take off a mask that I had grown to sort of fake being this person. And it wasn't necessarily that I was faking. It was just um,
0: a version of you.
1: Yeah. It was just a version of me that I was putting out there that like, I was trying to be, I wanted to be so bad, but I was also not acknowledging so many parts of myself there was like all of this shadow that I wasn't acknowledging
0: what was the sort of version of you that you were putting out
1: just like you know I'd started this business it was super successful like the Instagram followers like all of that stuff was happening and I was like and I wanted to be that person and I and I you know I had met this guy from Italy and like he was beautiful and we were just having this really beautiful Instagram life (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was like all this stuff because I'd put so much for my whole life. I'd put so much validation on my exterior, on the way I looked on how people perceived me. I still struggle with that. Like how with how people perceive me. So what started happening was I started getting panic attacks sort of out of the blue. And it was like, I had one and then I had another one a month later and then another one, three weeks later, and then another one, two weeks later. And then they just started coming on and on and on mm. to the point where I was what, felt like I felt like I was in a perpetual state of panic like tw- like 24 hours a day.
0: What what is the sort of physicality of it to someone that's not actually cuz I think at the time it gets thrown around quite it does, it does. loosely now. Yeah.
1: So there's definitely a difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack. Um, anxiety attack is more of this kind of like sort of overwhelming like thoughts are everywhere, maybe some dissociation. My experience of a panic attack is like I can remember I used to like touch my skin because I just had this feeling of wanting to crawl out of my body. That's what it felt like. It was just like, get me out of here. It was like shortness of breath, bracing heart, just cannot control the mind whatsoever. You're like, you're gone. You're like on another planet. I was so out of my body. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know how to be the person that I had kind of Created, molded yeah. myself to be. And the way that I describe the panic attacks now, looking back, like it felt like my soul was like screaming inside of my body. Like, wake, like it felt like it was like rattling inside of a cage. Like wake up. You have to like wake up to who you actually are. Mm. And since then I've been on such a journey of like, of just self-discovery
0: but would you then say that that was sort of really when you begun to embark on your spiritual path mm-hmm.
1: yeah i'd say that that was like i'd been on a spiritual path for a while and had been interested in spirituality for a very very long time but it was really that like breaking down of self like complete shattering of self that's what it felt like for me like i everything i knew about myself everything i thought i knew about myself was demolished so it was interesting because it was sort of this like rebuilding of mm. self. It was sort of this like, okay, we're we have a blank slate, which is a really weird place to be in when you're 27 mm. to be like. But in
0: hindsight, a really good place to be in. in the
1: yeah, place. hindsight really good. Very good place. <laughs> but it's so difficult to be, you know, to suddenly. I mean, in a lot of ways, I felt like a, I felt like a baby or something. I was like, okay, so how does this work again? How, like, how do I function in the world? And, Mm. and since then, it's just been this real, real journey of like, you know, a big one for me. And we talk about this a lot is going back to childhood, really looking at my childhood, um, which was very idyllic and I have amazing parents, but something that's really kind of on the forefront of mental health right now is this looking at emotional trauma, which is not heavily studied. It's relatively new. And how that fosters in the body and how that fosters in the body. Yeah. Yeah. Because emotional trauma, I was talking to my mom the other day, and she was like, "Is there like a different word? It just sounds so intense." And I said to her, "I was yeah. like, a very sensitive child could be yelled at. So it's not actually about the event; it's about how one processes it. Or so, doesn't. Or does exactly. Or doesn't process it. And
0: it's really subconscious. It's as all well. subconscious. Yeah.
1: That's that's the challenging part is that you have to do so much deep diving into your own subconscious, into your own patterning, into the way that you." Look at the world. I mean, it requires a pretty intense amount of dedication and awareness to be honest. Like you have to be willing and want and, and wishing to do the work because the other thing is it doesn't feel it doesn't feel particularly good. oh no, it's incredibly uncomfortable. yeah, it's very uncomfortable. and
0: also to go back to what you mentioned about twenty seven, like when we are reaching twenty seven or when we are like growing up towards that age, mm-hmm. we have this whole lifetime of of conditioning and experiences. And we're like, we're set up, we, we think we know everything and we think we're on this mm-hmm. trajectory and we're like, by 30, like, yeah, I've got it. And totally. then suddenly everything just is like, yeah. and it like blows up in your face. And then it goes against everything we think we should be in society mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. to have achieved and Well, know and that's about all ourselves. conditioning.
1: That's all the stuff that society and our families, love them all, have like put on us because it's just the way that it's been. Mm-hmm. So there's this, there is this massive awakening happening right now where people are realizing that they're unhappy, and everybody's like, "Wait, but like, but, but why?" And it's realizing that we're all conditioned out of ourselves. But then also, going back to that
0: point of when things do feel like they're collapsing, mm-hmm. it's very easy for us to have this conversation in the hindsight, on the like o- other side of it, and be, and you do just suddenly it's like coming out of this this tornado, and you're like, oh. That was completely necessary yeah. <laughs> and actually like
1: really benefited yeah, me. Yeah.
0: But at the time, like oh if someone God. had told me, I would probably be like, "What the fuck do you mean?" Yeah, and how I don't know whether I would have had. Well, I definitely didn't have the tools, but whether I would have had the stability to go into that work to mm-hmm. do the inner child work, because you do need to have, you do need to be oh, yeah. safe.
1: Yeah. Well, that's part of it, is that you have to start building safe relationships outside of yourself. So there's a term called co-regulation, which we all need. Like, we're creatures of community. We have to be around other people. There are health, there's like, it's massively beneficial to our health to be around other people. Yeah. That
0: actually reminded me of, I say his name wrong, is it Gabor Maté?
1: Gabor Maté. Gabor Maté,
0: who you adore. Yeah, And you introduced me to, and he was talking about how children can't actually like regulate their
1: no they can't emotions. it's actually impossible like it, biologically children can't regulate their own emotions so if they get angry they don't know how to calm themselves turn down bit, the anger yeah. down they need someone else the parent caretaker sibling whomever to bounce that emotion off of in order to to, to, to regulate it down, it. to regulate it. And if that emotion goes unregulated, if the child is sent to their room or whatever it is to deal with it on their own, oftentimes what happens is that emotion gets repressed and then it gets stuck and then it turns, you know, I mean, here we are, like having panic attacks at 27. Mm. <laughs> I was again, my it's so interesting. My mom and I have been talking a lot about my own childhood and my parents are wonderful. And my mom was an amazing mom, but we've been talking about the ways in which I felt under parented, I guess. Um, and I said to her this morning, I said, you know, as a society, as a world, as a Western world, we are literally emotional, emotionally illiterate is the mm-hmm. word that I used. Like we live in such a value driven, not, not the good kind of values, I guess it's, um, monetary value. Yeah. Monetary value physical value um material yeah material value that that's the word it's like everything's about like how you look how much money you're making what you're doing and it just it just isn't serving us and I mean look around it's literally crumbling like it's crumbling
0: so going back to the like the inner child stuff because I know that a lot of people are curious about it and it is I don't think it's by any means a new thing but it's been I think it's been some of the most valuable work you and I have done for sure
1: one thousand percent Because I would say that
0: everybody would benefit from doing inner child work. Mm -hmm.
1: Everyone has a wounded inner child. Yeah.
0: But some people will probably be like, I don't know if I need to. I don't know whether that, like, resonates with me. What would you say are the sort of, like, signals
1: that perhaps you have some work to do? I mean, oh, my God. There's so many. I mean, relationships are, like, the first place.
0: Yeah, and can we just up.
1: can we just go into that?
0: Because I I was reading um, Alain de Bothe. Bo- I always sound like such an idiot when I pronounce his <laughs> name like a French accent. <laughs> but I don't de want de to call. call him like Alan. <laughs> Alan de <Barton. laughs> Um But he talks about you know how in relationship we automatically go into this space of of often like a, a child parent mm-hmm, dynamic mm-hmm. and i know personally like mm-hmm. i definitely fall into oh, that yeah. role and also just without even thinking about it call each other baby yeah. and like use baby voices and when he wrote it like when i read it i was like that's so weird yeah. <laughs> but it's so normal
1: yeah yeah so often what's happening is when we go into relationship on a subconscious level we're trying to heal yeah, a wounded relationship from childhood. Mm-hmm. So like if you there's usually one parent that you have a bigger wound with than the other, depending yeah. upon who raised you. We, we all just listen to that. And one person <laughs> came to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's happening is that as a child, when you couldn't when you were trying to have your needs met, which our core needs are being seen and being heard. And when you're not when those things aren't happening, you know, that's when children start to act out, like when they start to, to scream, when they start to, you know, they're trying to get your attention some way. So if they couldn't heal it then, there's always this kind of, again, it's subconscious. We, can't, we don't see it on a conscious level. This attempt to heal that relationship for ourselves through another person. Mm. So there's often someone else will show up. Oftentimes it's a mirror for what we need to see within ourselves. And also the Nobody most fucked up part this.
0: is that we're, like, super attracted to it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You're literally totally. like, ooh. Well, mm-hmm. because it's comfortable, too. Because that's what well, we it's familiar. know. It's familiar. That's the thing. It's familiar. So basically, a, a
0: massive thing is kind of unpinning your concept of love and what that might have been growing up. hmm And what you observed in the family.
1: Yeah. So, again, it takes, like, I can imagine that people listening to this are, like, are having there's going to be so much resistance to doing it. The ego will literally be like, nope, don't want to talk about it. Don't want to think about it because it's painful because it doesn't feel good. It's it's uncomfortable. Like we said before, it doesn't feel good to do this work.
0: Well, going back to what you said about being seen and being heard, we also have these driving forces of like wanting to go through and be our like best selves, but also Mm -hmm. the child, the inner child and the ego is like, we want to stay safe. We're not doing any of this shit la 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 let's block out our ears and not and not do this because it's like the unknown just terrifies everybody
1: yeah the ego basically is trying to protect the shadow and what the shadow is is just the parts of ourselves that we believe are unlovable which is untrue all human beings are worthy and and valuable and lovable and that's the thing is that so many of us grew up believing that love was conditional like you know even a parent who was like you know, scolded you for having bad grades. Like that's, that tells a child that I'm not loved if I don't have good grades. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that, there's that value system again. It's like, oh, I need to be this. Or if a parent put um, emphasis on looks, it's like, oh, I need to look a certain way in order Mm -hmm. to receive that love from them.
0: It's just kind of revisiting those (laughs) things. I mean, I think, I think for both of us, I definitely, and I spoke about it when I did the solo podcast is this idea that I'm like not lovable unless I look at look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that isn't just prescriptive to relationships. That's like the wide like wider society in general. Oh, it's like I cannot achieve and I cannot be deserving of like all these things until I am essentially perfect. Mm-hmm. Which of course mm-hmm. is like
1: mm-hmm. just
0: the can keep being kicked down the road because it's not oh, achievable. Completely.
1: Yeah. And also you are already are perfect. Like that's the whole thing is that like, we literally are all already perfect. But the other thing to look at is emotional trauma doesn't just happen from parents and from family. It happens from society too. So, so a way in which I felt, you know, that I was affected by society say was growing up. It sounds silly, but growing up watching the Victoria's secret fashion show. Like Mm -hmm. I saw these women on TV who looked a certain way. I was like nine years old when I first watched it with like Tyra Banks. And um, I was like, Oh, like, look at them. Look mm. at everyone else looking at them. That's what it looks like to be a woman and, like, yeah. a wanted woman. Mm-hmm. You well,
0: know. All the media we absorb. Yeah. already. Yeah, oh, my God,
1: completely. It's, like, it's all of the beauty commercials. I mean, it's all of this – I don't necessarily want to call it capitalism, but it's this, like, you need this in order to be yeah, this. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, like, all of the commercials were fed. And women, my God, it's, like, it's just so over the top for women. It just really – really gets me going when I when I start to to talk about it and think about all of the ways in which so many women around the world are just
0: don't feel good enough
1: they don't feel good enough
0: and I'm kind of jumping into a bit of a off tangent but I was listening to something the other day that kind of how this correlates to our, our sexuality or or lack of sexuality because we that's such a big part of it that it's like to be sexual and to be desired you need to look this way Mm -hmm. and if you go through your whole life never feeling like you do which most Mm -hmm. people don't Mm -hmm. you don't feel you have ownership over your own sexuality or over your own body or like you are deserving of that part of you
1: yeah you're you become a slave to being better all the time
0: and, to and serving to just, other people. Yeah,
1: to serving other people, to not feeling good enough, to feeling like you need to be X, Y and Z for this person or, you know, I mean, and I still have it come up. Like I've done so much work on this and I still think about going into a relationship and, and I get this like, oh, God, like that feeling of not being perfect, like perfectionism people laugh when I say I'm a recovering perfectionist, but I mean, I swear to God, it's like, it's so true. I mean, you, you, know, yeah, you know, I know, <laughs> but I mean, I think you were more like the classic
0: perfectionist than, than me. Cause we've got a lot of similarities, yeah, but then yeah, we're yeah. also like, so, I'm like, I mean, just to go back to when we did a pastor making course and yours were like perfect tortellini, and mine was just like a big pile of mush. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and of you be, were just like yeah. grinning and I was yeah. like, I know who you were at
1: school. We wouldn't have been friends. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) well that's the thing is that we all carry it differently Mm. so like we it it depends on again where like our wounding is so we really need to catch ourselves
0: at like because the thing is we think these things because we have our entire lives and we never question them
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And like a Mm -hmm. massive thing Mm -hmm. for me is just to go to stop yourself and go why why yeah like when i'm like oh you can't like you can't get in a relationship yet because you haven't achieved this or you haven't got that or you don't weigh this right and just being like why who the fuck says
1: but that's kind of the beauty of the Saturn return is that like you sort of have to start nearing rock bottom in order to make change like it just is the way that it is humans don't we don't You can't bypass that you cannot bypass that (laughs) You know, which is what the Saturn return is for, I think, in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, let's, let's course correct you, like, back to mm-hmm. w- who you are, who you really are.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think a huge thing that you realize is that we feel like everyone is behind us going, you need to do this, you need to do that. And sometimes that's true, but most of the time it's just us yeah, being like, this is who you've got to be yeah. before you yeah. can be totally worthy yeah, Essentially.
1: but it's also so important for us to develop and have compassion for the reasons why we're telling ourselves these, you know, quote unquote lies. Like, and that goes into just, again, doing the work and like realizing the, like, Listening to, becoming aware of that voice in your head and being like, what am I, what, how do I actually speak to myself? What, what am I telling myself? Because oftentimes it's just lies Mm. that are trying to keep you protected. Mm -hmm. Um, And also comparison,
0: I think is such a huge one because it, you know, we go through school, we go through mm. life all doing things at the same time. And then it suddenly becomes a bit of a free for all and everyone's advancing at different stages. And it's interesting, like your experience versus mine, because you had this successful business and then you moved to England and stuff was like from the extent. Thriving. Oh, yeah. Whereas I would definitely feel like I wasn't, but I would look at someone like you and be like, why don't I have it figured out Mm. like she does? And yet you were going through. Sure. And yet you were going through your own experience.
1: Oh, my Mm. God, completely. Yeah. I mean, no one has it together, by the way. Like, no one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people are certainly moving, like, we're moving in a direction that is more. We're shifting towards being more in our authentic selves. And I think that, you know, as we get there, we're, we're reaching places in which people truly are like living their purpose and are truly authentic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can tell you right now, the majority of human beings on this planet all feel like there's got to be something more and that everyone else is doing something right that they're not doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all feel like that imposter syndrome is just, it's like, a. I honestly think it's a part of like the human condition.
0: And it doesn't matter who you are or what you've achieved. No, not at all. Yeah, it all comes with its own pressure. Yeah. So going back to friendship, because yeah. a lot of people, have, like I mentioned to you, and that's why I wanted to... I kind of knew we were going to go off on inner child stuff, <laughs> but a lot of people have asked me to do a piece around female friendship. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I definitely went through... I had, like, my friendship group that I had in London and this, like, version of me that was very established Mm -hmm. um, that I built up throughout, like, my teen years and early 20s and then, like, was behaving however I was behaving. But Mm -hmm. there was something in me that was just, like, this is not who I want to be Mm -hmm. and I kind of need to separate myself from this in order to explore that version because not only do we have our own narratives but like you go and meet up with a friend and they have their version of you Mm -hmm. and I always have this really like it's so interesting how you can feel that but I was always such a chameleon that I would just be like that person Mm -hmm. straight away that was my survival was like be whoever you need to be to fit in and make people feel comfortable and be and mm-hmm. feel loved. Yep. Yeah. And for people to feel like good around you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I remember one of my friends called me out on it. She was like, there's a different kagi for every friend. Yeah.
1: My sister called me out on the same thing.
0: And I didn't realize, but she'd spent time with me, like in a few with a few different people, and she was like, you know, I think that I know you and that there's like my kagi, but then I see like another mm. one. But I didn't even realise I was doing it. And mm. that became exhausting in itself Mm -hmm. because i wasn't living for myself yeah and that's something now i think i've really it's that takes a huge amount of discipline Mm -hmm. and like courage to master because when you start remaining like a bit more still in one version of who you are and cultivating that some people just fall by the wayside and that's a difficult process
1: well there's quite a bit of grief that comes up with that too like you're grieving like you're grieving old parts of yourself or parts that don't serve you anymore, but that you, you still, you have an attachment to them. So you're letting go of like these versions of yourself that kept you safe. You're letting go of friendships, you're letting go of a lifestyle, you know, like there's so much that falls to the wayside and it is, I mean, it could be just as intense as like losing a person. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, we talked so much about the pain of a breakup of a relationship, Mm. a romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. but we rarely acknowledge the pain of a friendship Mm
1: -hmm. dying. Yeah, completely. And it happens all the time.
0: Mm.
1: Almost every friendship that I've, yeah, I've had a couple of experiences. um, We have a different experience in that like, I still have my friends from high school, but they're like my friends from high school. Mm -hmm. And because I don't live there, like you still live in the place that you grew up in. If I still lived in my hometown... Like, I I can't imagine that I would be hanging out with the same people that I was when I was young, you know? Mm.
0: Because I've moved around a lot too. And Mm -hmm. that is such a blessing. And and it gives you this ability to actually start discovering who you are. And I know it's quite a luxury and not everyone Mm -hmm. can. But I think a lot of people are super fearful of embarking on something like that solo. But I Cannot recommend it enough. Yes, yeah, same. Because you get to discover like other aspects of yourself.
1: Oh, completely. Every time I've moved somewhere, every time I like land in a new place where I don't actually know anyone, I'm like, okay, like what, like who do I want to be? Mm. You know, like are there parts of myself that I was too afraid to show mm-hmm. in old relation, in old friendships or something? Like, how can I actually step more into my authenticity as who I am with people who I can't really be afraid of, like how they're going to take it because.
0: Well, they have no past yeah, they, version exactly. of you to attach themselves onto. Exactly,
1: yeah. Yeah, because if I, I mean, like,
0: oh, my God, I actually, when I went back to Australia, so I was super wild when I was in Australia when I lived there, and I went back at Christmas, and, of course, like, the version of me now that feels fairly established and, like, grounded, and, like, the version you know, mm-hmm. if you came with me and heard oh like, my God. the way people, oh like, my God. people were coming up to me and they were like... Kagi, <laughs> I don't know if I told you this, but this girl came up to me. She was like, last time I saw you, you were a igu- iguana wrestling. And I was like, I'm,
1: I'm sorry, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I didn't even recognize her and you that, were literally wrestling in an iguana and you,
0: no no iguana <laughs> wrestling is this thing that you put like belts around your head and you get on the floor and you like wrestle no. What? Like, and that i was just like oh that's the kind of shit i used to do at like 4am in the morning <laughs> with a bunch of people like partying but it was yeah. just it was it was you know, no pun intended, a really sobering moment for me to Mm. be like, wow, that was the version of myself I was then. Mm -hmm. And then to like skip to in LA, that was really when I started to be like, I don't want to be, you know, in that partying environment. I just want to be a bit more grounded. And Mm -hmm. like, if you ask people in LA about me that knew me, they were like... Yeah, Kagi doesn't drink. She's, like, mm. super, you know, hermity, blah, blah, blah. But then the people back in London like grew up with would be like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, they're all versions of yeah, me. Yeah. But I think moving abroad gives you the opportunity to choose.
1: Yeah, it does. It definitely does. It can be difficult, though, because... You know, I have had I have people ask me all the time, like, how have you made friends? How have you found friends? And I, I've... London's
0: particularly tricky too. I know,
1: I know. All of, like, all of the you girls are like, how on earth did you, like, land in this group I know. of
0: people? I, I've had American <laughs> friends that have moved yeah. and I'm like, you're going to hate it. And they literally come back after a couple of weeks, they're like, nobody wanted to be my
1: friend. Because <laughs> it's so, it's like, England is so much smaller than America and everyone just knows each other. So there's, like, not a whole lot of, like room for someone who's not from here to like wiggle their way in it's a cultural thing as well we're very very closed cultural yeah a friend of mine her ex-boyfriend um is english and she's american and he used to say that americans are like peaches and that brits are like coconuts where americans are like soft and juicy on the outside and like welcoming and warm but then there's like a pit on the inside it's hard (laughs) to get in once you know once you actually get to the center of them um And then Brits are, like, really hard on the outside. But then once you crack them, then there's, there's You're in. Yeah, then you're in. That is so true. I know. That is so true. Because, like,
0: when I was in America, everyone was so friendly. But it always felt, like, quite surface level. Yeah. And, like, I would kind of be friends for, like, like a couple of weeks or months and then just, like, never see them again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas here, it's, like, once you make that friendship...
1: Yeah, then then it's... Then you're in. Then you're in.
0: Yeah. I'm in you're in you're in don't (laughs) you worry (laughs) um so I guess we've been pretty lucky with the friendships that we found but it's it takes a minute we have
1: it does it does it takes a minute and like since I've been in London which has been a couple of years there have been friendships that I've had that that have faded away you know like I've also had periods where I've tried to force friendships you know where I've like wanted when I like when I first moved here especially because I moved here for a relationship and we were together and then we broke up after seven months and then I was going through that whole grieving process and that was kind of a whole nother layer of this like and return thing um well I think I don't know whether you
0: did this but I think a lot of people in relationship myself and you kind of especially if you move for them mm. your life is like an extension of totally of their life you just oh, kind of you're an
1: accessory in their life really Yeah. And I didn't know anyone here. So Mm -hmm. like we broke up and I was like, okay, all my friends were his friends. So what do I do now? Yeah, that's hard. It was really hard. So I had like a year of grieving that and really kind of staying indoors. And like, that was like a whole nother sort of process of this sort of spiritual awakening, if you want to call it that, was this learning. Cause I'd been a serial dater, you know, since I was like 15, I hadn't been single for more than three months. Really. Mm Mm-hmm. So he and I, Leo and I broke up and I was like, I was like, okay, wow, and I'm, I'm single, and and now it's been two and a half years. It's the longest I've been single in my life. But now I can look back and I'm like, oh my god, I needed this because, again, the same thing. I needed to do a lot of soul searching. I was always looking for myself and men, mm-hmm. and also I hadn't established friends here. Looking back on all of it, I'm like, wow, this has been so beautiful. Like the the female friendships that I've created, that that you know we've created, and and our other friends. It's been Honestly, some of like the most beautiful relationships in my life, especially for where I am now, like as the person I am now, which feels like the most authentic version of myself mm. thus far in my life. And therefore to be seen in yeah, that version of you completely. and like loved and held
0: and carried. Yeah. Did you anticipate that? Were you looking for it or did it just kind of happen?
1: Um. No, I knew I want. I mean, I wanted friends. I knew that. But like there was a level of like manifestation that uh, occurred. Um, so in kind of going through that breakup and like really going through a whole nother level of like finding myself and figuring out who I really am without a partner was super important. And to really like stick through that, it did sort of feel like when I did start to put out the call for, for girlfriends and like, they just started coming in. I mean, it did feel sort of like this magnetic thing that was happening where it was like, I was again, stepping into my authenticity and then like in-came, in-came friends, in-came friends. And it was always so serendipitous.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, because I I wouldn't
0: necessarily say I was seeking out. What I was seeking out was something else, as in, like, I need another way of living my life. I'm looking for something else. I don't know what the fuck that is, but, like, this isn't serving me. This isn't right, and what what the hell else is out there. And people kept coming into my life in the most random
1: ways. Mm -hmm. Like,
0: and I to like you was very much like relationships, romantic relationships was such a huge part of my identity. Mm. But that often caused me to like zigzag off my own path a lot of the time. And my value was around like who I was in that relationship to that person. Mm -hmm. But then coming out of the last one at the end of last year, and then like you coming into my life and us like establishing this this group which mm-hmm. is so nurturing I never anticipated and I call it like triumphant platonic <laughs> love because I never anticipated that a friendship could give me so much of the nourishment mm. that a romantic partner does give mm. of course it's like completely different but then when you start having those pieces filled by a different sort of love you don't need that romantic one yeah. as much like of yeah. course you desire it and you yeah. can want it and we talk about you know what we want from a partner all the time, but we're not like sitting around being we like, a <laughs> we just want to hug. Just want hug. But even speaking to some different like girlfriends that perhaps, you know, they all got married like wildfire. And I think they look at me as like a bit of a black sheep. Mm. They're just like, why mm-hmm. weren't you settled mm-hmm. down? like, mm-hmm. because I just don't need to right yeah, now. Yeah, Unless it's yeah, the yeah. right person. Like I yeah. don't need to. Yeah. And I think we give each other that support system, which yeah, is such a, a nice thing.
1: Well, that's what's been so nice about meeting you. Like, there's been such, like, an energy exchange between both of us. I've seen it in myself, and I think I've seen it in you, just that we're both, like, really kind of rising into these, like, roles that mm. that we're both that feel so authentic to both of us, I feel.
0: Mm, that's really true. We've kind of ignited each other.
1: Yeah, a lot.
0: Yeah, because the last nine months have definitely been a f- rapid growth.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, the same us. for me. Because
0: we call each other out on shit, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is also so important, by the way. Like, that's a whole other conversation, but...
0: Well, I think mm-hmm. women can be quite um, catty towards yeah. each other in a way that I don't... I haven't observed with men in the same way. Like, men are straight up, like, assholes to each other as a, that's that form yeah. of bonding. And it's funny and it's character building yeah. and, you know... But whereas women can be a lot more behind each other's backs and... In... Well,
1: and this, again, goes into, you know, if we want to go down this road, and we've talked about this, it's that feminine wound... It's that like ancient feminine wound where for we've been living in, you know, I don't want to get too feministic here, but we've been living in a patriarchal society for hundreds, if not thousands of years where men have been, you know, in power and women are seen as lesser than. And it's always been like, oh, who's like, who's the woman going to get in society? Like, it's mm. there's always been this kind of undertone of like, first of all, women not being equal to men. We all know that. But also women like women against women like who's got what who's dating who who's marrying who like and there's there's competition and it's because it's
0: like there's like objectified ornaments on the shelf that are yeah. like who are we going to pick therefore totally once you get what picked do you look
1: like How, do you cook like are you like it's been it's it's always been about like what it is that we have to offer, offer materially mm. and not you know historically hasn't had to do really with like who the person is. So there's been this like, and again, it's why women are so easy to sort of back to the capitalistic conversation, like buy this makeup and you're going to be so, you're going to look like, you know, Claudia Schiffer. Yeah, exactly. Women are susceptible to that kind of thing because it's just been hundreds of years of us just not being able to be authentically ourselves We're not taught how to communicate. So now, you know, like I'm learning, I feel like I've really been stepping into who I am and feeling really grounded in who I am. So, and learning how to communicate for the first time in my life and ask for what I want and what I need. And it can be difficult, but all of a sudden when you start doing it, like when you start, you know, with with friendships, like saying, hey, this thing happened and it didn't make me feel that good. Like, can we talk about it? Mm. You realize that there is a way to have a dialogue. But we're so afraid to have that dialogue because we're also afraid of rejection, which again goes back to childhood and like... Also, we're just not taught how to have... Right. Emotionally like you say. Illiterate.
0: No, yeah. And how to communicate and have confrontation yeah. in a healthy way. And then like, you know, within friendship and also re- relationship. And then we, we harbor that or then speak behind each other's backs because yeah. we don't want to go through that icky yeah.
1: Yeah. in yeah. between. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! I had such like I can remember being in high school. All the older boys were into me and my friends because we were like like fresh meat coming in, and um, there was so much competition between me and my me and my best friend. And I remember wanting to put gum in her hair at a football game, <laughs> which is so <laughs> ridiculous. I know. But it's like again, it's that like oh that boy that I want likes her. Like there's yeah. there's no for women. I think oftentimes men take precedent over the friendship mm. and men just don't have that as much as we do like like oh you're into her okay cool like yeah whatever there's, there's plenty of them out there where it's been like <laughs> fighting over them. yeah because we're taught we've been taught so much that our value so much of our value is in our partner
0: and who we're with and being picked and especially you know it's like a very un- unfair thing of you know especially like after 30 that you know there's this mentality that men kind of come into their own and like just get better and better and better and whereas women like they're like oh why, yeah. why is she still single and yeah. i've had conversations with guy friends about it and they're like oh you know they literally will be like yeah but why is she single she's like x-age i'm mm-hmm. like are you fucking joking it's, oh
1: my god it makes me so crazy even like even again back to media stuff there was an a sh- two Chanel ads that came out in the same year. Brad Pitt was in one of them and it was um, an older supermodel in the other one. Chrissy Turlington, maybe. Brad Pitt's photo is like rugged. You can see every wrinkle. Like they like, you know, change the lighting in the image just to make him look more weathered and he looks sexy as hell. And then you've got the Chrissy Turlington photo and they're the same age, or maybe not, but roughly. And um, She's edited to shit. Completely, completely, like every wrinkle's removed and it's like, what is that messaging mm. and that's the other problem is that because it's been going on for so long again there's it's so subconscious to us like it is now considered radical for a woman to like not get Botox I know which is, is awful insane I did an exercise a couple of years ago when I was feeling a lot of that pressure of like oosh maybe I should get my lips done or like again because of all of that subconscious programming that I needed to look oh, a certain I'm way so glad you didn't I know, I mean, (laughs) well, now I look at my face and I'm like, oh, like I love, I love my face. Mm. But I did this exercise with myself where I wrote down everything about my body that I wanted to change. Mm. And then I flipped it and I was like, okay, what is it that I love about my lips? And I was like, I love kissing with my lips. Like I love that they give me this opportunity and this ability to like feel something with someone else. So as like a sort
0: of like antidote to that subliminal message yeah. or not even subliminal that messaging that's going out there all the time it's to write like a list
1: of yeah things, well know. again it's kind of flipping the script it's like developing the awareness to sort of pinpoint what it is that you are telling yourself and why what is that voice in your head and what is it saying to you so just flipping the script becoming aware of the thoughts that are negative mm. and figuring out because they're never true so there's this exercise that's actually so good you have you heard of Byron Katie Mm-mm. okay She's a spiritual teacher who developed this. It's called the work. That's what she calls it. um, Where you ask yourself four questions. So if you have a thought about something, you know, like, you know, I recently had a friend. I I walked through this exercise with her because her now boyfriend wasn't her boyfriend yet at the time. Um, She was like, he's not responding to my texts. And he he just, he's not into it. He's not into it. And so I stopped her and I was like, okay, we're going to go through these four questions. One, is that true? In the moment you're completely convincing yourself that yes, it's true. So it's a yes or no answer. Um, Oftentimes we say yes. So the second question is, can you be absolutely sure that that's true? So I said, can you absolutely know that he's not responded to you in a couple of hours because he doesn't like you anymore? No, you cannot be absolutely sure of that. Third question is, how do you feel when you believe that thought? So she started going through the list, insecure, sad, you know, all of the things. And then the fourth question is, who would you be without that thought? So, if you were in the same exact situation and you weren't thinking that thought, who mm. would you be? I love that. And then what you do is flip it around. So, then you take the statement, he's not calling me or, because he's not thinking about me or doesn't like me. And you say, he does like me. It's again, because again, like you don't know the truth of the, the situation. So, what, mm. all you're doing is telling you're yourself. You're making a choice. You're completely making a choice. And also, it goes back to this idea
0: that, you know, through the media and advertising and all this messaging is basically to constantly tell us and remind us that our worth is outside of ourselves. Uh So with when someone comes into our life, if it's a guy and he's not responding, that feeling of like, oh, my God, I'm worthless because he hasn't responded to me. Like, now I actually don't have because it's taken me a long fucking time to get there. But because I sometimes, like, my worth isn't dependent mm-hmm, on that, mm-hmm. nor is one's worth dependent on them getting X, Y, and Z done to their face so they right. can look like right. someone they've seen on social media. Right, And, like, it's also, I can't, I'm going to misquote this, but it's like, an educated and empowered woman has been long considered a dangerous thing. hmm and that is, I think, both of our mission in different ways that yeah. we want to make women, like, empowered and yeah. just do, for, like, whatever whatever resonates with them, yeah. with what we're discussing, yeah. that allows them to kind of take ownership over themselves and to start embodying some of this yeah. stuff, whatever that looks like mm-hmm. and whatever practices they need to do. But to stop them being on this kind of, like, conveyor belt of society that's just, like, this is... Yeah how you have to think and this is what you have to have to be to be worthy of anything.
1: Mm -hmm. It's just so subconscious. It just, it does take, it takes work, but it's so beautiful, like doing the work and really beginning to look at yourself and like committing to to yourself is really what's happening Mm. is just the most important thing that someone can do for themselves. I used to carry a notebook around with me and write out the questions and actually do that every time, like a, you know, quote unquote, negative thought popped into my head. Um, And write it down. And write it down and go through those. uh, Is it true? Is it, you know, and just to flip the script for myself and like really, really commit to doing that because it just just does take work. It doesn't just happen.
0: Well, it's like that thing you put up on Instagram the other day. It's like we can only, what was it, meet people as deeply as they've met themselves. Yes, exactly. And it's kind of the same thing. So you can't really just go from where you are to, like, having those kind of friendships. Yeah. You need to begin that path yourself.
1: Agreed. And life ultimately, like, everyone who comes into our life is a mirror. So, like, you do that work on yourself, you're going to naturally, magnetically start calling in people who are also doing the same thing.
0: How, what would your advice be on sort of trying to find... Find those people, find like those women, mm. if that's what you're looking for, those kind of friendships.
1: Mm-hmm. What I always recommend is like figure out what your interests are. So if it's like if you are on a more spiritual path, and that is like yoga or something, finding yoga classes, meditation classes and going. I've never been too shy to like just walk up to someone and be like, hey, mm. just like start chatting with them
0: it's yeah that's interesting because when i was younger i used to have a serious problem with doing anything on my own like i always had to have a friend i was terrified whereas now i push myself to do mm. things like on my own because yeah. it's uncomfortable and it can be a little bit scary and a little yeah. bit uncomfortable but like you always achieve something that's from such a it. good
1: point i used to be the same way and i remember being nervous like the first few times i went to yoga classes as though like everyone in the room was looking at me mm. and now i mean like i I'm te- it's still terrible at yoga. I'm like the least flexible person ever, but I go and I could care less. Yeah. So again, it's kind of just like- Those practices and over time. calls them dis-confirming, disconfirming experiences, which is just, we have to put ourselves through experiences to disconfirm the belief that we have. Mm-hmm. That like, oh God, I can't go alone. Or like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to be looking at me. Like you just have to do it, yeah. honestly.
0: And then you realize that that's not true.
1: And it's not true, exactly. It just takes practice. It just takes work. It just- You gotta like feel into the discomfort and just sort of push through it. Mm -hmm. And the more of that authenticity that you step into, the easier it becomes ultimately. Mm -hmm. And then this, and then the faster people start coming in. So that's perfect. Yeah, that's my recommendation. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome.
0: Thank you. Love you. Love you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and learned something from mine and Kelly's conversation. Kelly always has the best advice for me and it was such a gift that she came into my life when she did. And I know that as we transition through our 20s, friendships are a huge theme and there can be a lot of grief when they end. So finding like-minded individuals is so important as we grow and develop. Now, it has been such a joy making this podcast for you guys and I'm truly overwhelmed by the messages of support and that has meant so much to so many of you. So we will be back after a little bit of a break and I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to all of you who have listened and shared. It's been such an amazing journey for me. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. You can find Kelly's brand, Francis Loom, on Instagram at Francis Loom or Kelly Vittingle, which we will put underneath because it's a complicated one to spell. And you can find me at Kaggy's World. Saturn Returns is a Feast Collective production. The producer is Hannah Varrell and the executive producer is Kate Taylor. Until next time, thank you so, so much for listening. And remember, you are not alone. Goodbye.